0: So this morning we are continuing with our series. What if the church become as it should be? And we are not looking at the superheroes of the Bible. We want to look at the people that are at the background. But that made great impact in the church. And I want us to look at why God used them. Why God used ordinary people to change the landscape of a spiritual History of a nation, of a people, and of the individual. So, Acts chapter 10, and we're going to look at Cornelius this morning. So, the sermon is uh, Cornelius, uh, the impact of a God fearing man, and a study in the book of Acts chapter 10. What is this about? What is this chapter about? Uh, I just want to summarize here. God granted divine vision to reveal his plans and purpose for an individual, a community, and a nation. And you're going to see that Cornelius saw the light. Cornelius saw the vision. So what are we going to expect in the sermon today? This is what we're going to expect in the sermon. First, you're going to expect what is a vision. The second thing is... Why did God grant Cornelius the vision? His vision. The third thing you will see is, how did Cornelius respond to the vision that God gave to him? And the fourth one, of course, is what did God uh, wanted to reveal through the vision? Because when there is a vision, there is always a message. And what was the impact of the vision granted to Cornelius? So why are you here? Why this sermon? The application part, which I would like you to be open and be connected to the Holy Spirit is, God is going to speak. God will speak differently to each individual, to every individual differently. Listen to what God has to tell you this morning. Listen to what God has to say this morning in any part of the sermon. Because I know and I believe that He has prepared this sermon for you and I. And it may not apply from the beginning till the end. But in the in each portion, there is something prepared for you. So this sermon is for everyone. Are you ready? I would like your spirit to be awake. Your physical body may be tired and weary. But I'm asking you to pray that the spirit that is within you be awake this morning. So are you ready? Are you awake this morning? Yes. Yes, God is going to bless you. And I want you to go out here being blessed. So in the Bible, I'm not going to read from the se- in sequence. I'm going to pick from portion here and there from chapter 10. So let's start with this portion. The vision. So about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly a vision, an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius, and when he observed him, he was afraid and said, "What is it, Lord?" So he said to him, "Your prayer and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is he is lodging with Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. He." will tell you what you must do. He will tell you what you must do. What is a vision? A vision is a divine sight that is granted by God to an individual. That is a vision. It's a divine sight that God granted to an individual. By whom? By God. I'm not talking about our personal vision in life. But this is an extraordinary divine sight that God granted. So Cornelius saw a vision. He clearly saw a vision around 3 p.m. in the afternoon. He saw the angel and the And the angel spoke to him. And the instruction was. Go to. Send your men to Joppa. And there will be a man named. Simon Peter. And bring him. And he will tell you. What you must do. Have you had. A divine sight from the Lord. Or. Or. Why did God use the divine sight to show to Cornelius? For what reason? Why did he do that? At the end you will see the great impact of this divine sight. It's for the church. It's for the glory of the church and for the glory of God. You know that your pastor is a dreamer. And I've shared many of my dreams to you. And as I was praying for the church. Regarding what God wants here at the church. I was reminded. Again about why God called us here. Because I was praying Lord. Will you increase the size of the church? Is it in your plan that you will increase the number at our church? those were the prayer that I've been praying like for a month and I've been reading and praying and praying real hard we've been doing great ministry out in the community our ministries to the community is it's impressive It's, it's not a second to none of the church you can be proud of what we do in the community but the question is how is this translating into numbers how is this translating into an increase in church membership? That is the reason why I went to the Lord and I prayed and i 've been praying for a month, and I did not hear but a few weeks ago i had a, I had one of those dream again your pastor dreamer and I, have, I was having conversation with God in my dream, and he told me three hundred and so I woke up in the morning and I clearly remember the conversation in my dream and say 300. So uh, what does it mean? Are you going to increase the church membership to 300? Is that what it is? I say, yes, I'll take 300, you know. But uh, that wasn't the case because I started praying again. What does this 300 mean? Then he took me to Judges chapter 7. My dream. And in Judges chapter 7, I found the story of Gideon. And he is going to go to battle with the Midianites. And God said to Gideon, Oh, your army is too much. Send some people home. So he said, If you don't want to go to the battle, go back home. How many went home? 22,000, right? And then... There are still thousands left. Like there are 10,000 left. And God said, no, it's too much. I want you to take them down to the stream. And if they lap the water like a dog in their hand. Or if watch out for people that just kneel and drink the water. So the people that lapped the water with their hand were how many? Three hundred. And he said, now choose the 300 and go to battle. So that you will not say that you won the battle. But I did it for you. Then I understood my conversation with God. What he was saying to our church is, if you have lots of people and lots of money, there is a danger that you will not give me glory. But the church members that you have here today, these are the chosen people that are here in this moment, in this time, in this church. And I will do my work through them. I will accomplish my work through them. And people will give glory to me. Right? Isn't that amazing? And all vision comes to ordinary people to relay a message that is relevant at that time. And in this case, the vision came to Cornelius, who was a centurion, who was not a Jew, a Gentile. Not some people that church leaders will choose to lead a church or to accomplish the work of God. When I first came here and I was interviewed to be the senior pastor at this church, do you remember board and staff? This is what I said. If you're looking for a pastor that will turn this church into a mega church, not that I don't want it, right? Or if you want this church to be so popular in the city, then I am the wrong person for that job. Remember that? That's what I said. But one thing that I will try my best when I come to this church is that I will strive to love the people that I serve. That I will strive to love the people that I serve and do the best to preach the word of God that when they are not on Sunday worshiping, when they are alone by themselves and when storms come, when difficult time comes, they will be able to stand on their own feet and not rely on a one and a half hour Sunday worship service. My goal in this church is to grow you in the knowledge of God that you can see divine sight and God speaking to you that when the storm hit you, when difficult challenges comes in your life, your faith is strengthened enough to receive the blow and not fall down. That is the purpose of vision and the word of God that comes to people. And who did it come to? To ordinary people. It was so ordinary because the word of the Lord also came to Peter. Peter. And he, he, he showed him a vision. In that vision were all kinds of animals. He said, arise and eat. Kill them and eat. And Peter said, what did he say? He said, Peter said, no, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. Three times, God called, Corn- Peter called Cornelius common and unclean. See? Eh? Cornelius was unclean and he was a common guy in the eye of Peter but in the eye of God Cornelius is special he is not ordinary because he is going to change the spiritual landscape and it is coming it is coming and people have called you common people have called you Common. People might have called you unclean, dirty, that you are trash, that is ex- easily thrown out. But you are not common this morning as you sit here. I want you to feel that in your heart. And know, you are not unclean, you are not common. You have been bought by the blood of the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ, and He can give you divine sight that can change your life, that can change the life of your family, that can change the life of the community, that can change the life of the city and the nation. Who is it that calls you common? Who has made you believe that you're common and unclean? I want you to hear the word of God this morning. That when you're alone in your home and in your workplace, you can stand alone and feel that you are created with a purpose. And if you feel so common, you are the right candidate for God to accomplish His work. Because He is not looking for the 22,000. He is not looking for the 10,000. He is looking for the 300 obedient, faithful people. So He can do mighty works. He can do mighty works. God's vision always comes with a message. And He expects us to act on it. It always comes with a message. He expects us to act on it. So you may ask sitting here, why did God grant Cornelius the vision? Why not somebody else? Why Cornelius? Probably he's a Roman citizen, a soldier, a Gentile. Why did God grant it Cornelius? Why not some of the new converts? Why not one of the 120 people that receive the Holy Spirit on the Pentecost? Have you ever asked that? Because for me, this is great. This is as important as Abraham receiving the vision. One of the first re- vision recorded in the Bible is the vision that Abraham saw. The vision that God granted to Abraham. And what was the vision about? He said, "You, I will make you exceedingly great. You will be blessed and in you all nations will be blessed. That is one of the great promises and great vision that started and recorded in the Bible. That changed the spiritual landscape of a nation, of a people. Of the life of Abraham to Abraham. This event is as important as the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. When Mary saw the vision and spoke to the angel. And how the Lord gave Came to the world. This is as important as that. Let's look at Cornelius. He says, The Word of God says, Are you with me this morning? Your heart's not full yet, right? Because there's so much more God has prepared for you. Okay? So please pay attention to the Word of God. This is for you and I. Very important for the church in this time. Here, it says, At Caesarea, where some of you will read Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion, in what was known as Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-faring. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. Let's look at that. He was a devout man. What is the meaning of devout? I want you to think a little bit, so we can connect to this word. Now, the Greek meaning of devout means dutiful, that you will fulfill your duty. So let's look at that word. So you may be single, married, uh, kids have gone, empty nester, grandparents, older people, whatever. Uh, I'm a father with kids, married. So if I apply to myself as a father, married, you apply to your own situation, okay? But I'll speak to my authentic self. That doesn't mean I'm excluding a high school or college kid that are out okay. here. You put yourself in that shoe. So he was a devout man as a husband. At that time, the Romans were known for immoral lifestyle. Orgies. Party. Men have a couple of wives and mistresses. They don't care. Marriage wasn't even strong. And this guy was a faithful husband. He was devoted to his wife. In that culture, with that status, he's a military officer. He has the power. He can do anything he wants. But he was a devout husband. You can be a devout boyfriend, girlfriend, fiancé. You put yourself in. Not only that, he was a devout father. He was a devout father. How do we know? Because the next one would be God-fearing. And all his families were God-fearing. See? He has led his family well. His wife, his kids are all God faring in what context? In a pluralistic context where there were pantheons of God, not coming from a mono monoistic culture, worship of one God. They worshiped lots of God. In that culture, these men Cornelius was worshiping one mono God along with his wife and his kids. Impressive. Impressive. See that? And he was a devout military commander. Because when you come down to verse 22, it says, and all the people in the nation of the Jews, of the Jew, respected him. See? All the people in the Jewish nation respected this man. Why? Because he was a devout, dutiful father of husband and military officer how are we measuring up husbands this morning how's our devotion to our wife how are you measuring up fathers how are your devotion to your children you spending enough time with your kids catching up with the day and just asking, having simple conversation, maybe watching World Cup together and crying together because your nations have lost and been knocked out, you know, hearts broken. What are you doing as fathers? Because as a husband and as a father, because of the big picture that you have, because of the next big things that you have been planning and working toward, you can ignore now, this moment, this day. Because you're saying, I'm going to be a great father, I'm going to be a great husband when I get this next big thing, when I get there. The truth is, what you do now and what you do today has great implication on your next big thing, you can get there if you are a dutiful father and husband, or boyfriend, girlfriend, fiance, a person. Because Cornelius did not become devout and God-fearing man because he was he got the next big thing. No. He got there because of doing this daily life that you called boring. He did that very well. And God saw that. And he turned his boring, the boring day that you called, into a beautiful moment that changed the historical spiritual landscape at that time. So if you're questioning about what is the purpose of my life, why am I doing this thing every day, it doesn't make sense, it will make sense. Because God noticed what you're doing. See? How about that? Are you with me? All right. The next one is He gave generously. See? He gave generously. Not one time, but regularly he gave generously to the poor, to the needy. And he prays always. How many of you are looking for a change in your life? Are you ready for a change? Yes, I see the change. Alright, so I want to say this to you, including myself. If you're ready for a change, hear me. The quality and the quantity of the time that you spend in prayer must increase. Did you hear what I said? Yes? Did you hear what I said at the back? Yeah, okay. We good there? You want change. This is it. The quantity and the quality of the time that you spend in prayer must increase. You cannot experience change without increasing the quality and quantity of your prayer life. The closest you can get to God is through prayer. You can get closest and nearest to God through prayer. Do you know what sustains and maintains the unity of a church? It's not the board meeting. It's not the staff's program. It's not our retreats and seminars. It is individual prayer. It maintains the unity of the church. How are we doing? We're praying for one another. It's been seven days. You pick the name of some person. That you will pray for. Have you been praying for that person? Have you been lifting up that person? We still got 23 more days to go to pray. For the name that you have picked. In the presence of the Lord. I would like you to pray for them. So they can see the change that they need. Prayer. Prayer. If we pray, we will see powerful things happen in our lives. Right? So we look at what? Devout men who feared God, who prayed to God. Always good reputation among all the nation of the Jews. This is the guy whom God granted the divine sight. These are all not very extraordinary, you know. People may not see these things. Because prayer, nobody notices whether you pray or not. Fearing God is an inward thing. Right? And giving generously, He may be giving. And the left hand may not know what the right hand is doing. We don't know. But, you see, what happens is, God looks at the inside. God looks at the inside and... The character of a person is always the factor that God will choose someone to be used for his glory. What did I say? Character. 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 It's the character. It's not because Cornelius was an Italian regiment officer or he was a Greek or a Roman. It was because of his character. His character. Character. That he was found useful by God to accomplish great thing at that time. It's not your resume. It's not your degree. It's not your work experience. It's not the money you have. It's not where the zip code you leave. It's not the car that you drive. It's not the clothes that you wear. It is the character of a person that God will determine whether to grant a divine side or not. And when God grants divine sight and divine revelation, it impacts your life, the life of the church, the life of the community, a city, and a nation. God looks at the inside. Character of a person has always been the factor for God to use someone. So, what did Cornelius do? He acted upon. His vision. And when the angel who spoke to him and departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and devout soldiers from among those who waited on him continually. So, when he had explained all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa. See? See, even when you receive divine insights, you have to have faith and obedience to follow through it. See, when God speaks, we must act. Obedience and faith are necessary to accomplish God's work. You could just say, oh, that was a great vision, right? You've been through the firework on 4th of July. And when the firework is done, you say, wow, that was a great firework. But that was it, right? Do you act upon it? no it's just a great sight to see here in the divine sight cornelius acted upon it in obedience and by faith how how did he know it was god by faith he sent soldiers his soldiers his servants to go and fetch peter that is amazing right now the vision has a message we talk about the message what is the message The message is that God shows no partiality. That's what he said. Acts 10, 34. Peter preached. When he came, Cornelius has gathered his relatives. Not just his family. He has prepared with his relative, family, and friends. And they were waiting for the word of God. Because Peter was going to tell them. So he didn't just say, come my family. He called all his relatives. There were lots of people that have gathered. And they were waiting for people to come, uh, for Peter to come. And when Peter came, he said, God shows no partiality. I had called you guys common. But God told me three times that you are not common and you are not unclean. Now I understood the vision. Why? God shows no partiality. He is a God of all nations. He is a God of all nations. He is a God of every nation. And the peace of God is preached through the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Christ, the Lord of all. We have witnessed how he was crucified, how he was buried, and how he rose again. And we want to present this Christ that is the Lord of all. That was what God wants to tell Cornelius and his family and his relatives. That was the message clear and simple, that Christ died for you, He was buried, He rose again, and in Him you will find salvation. Amazing stuff, right? That was the message. Why did He do that? Because there is a purpose for the vision. And the purpose was, The Holy Spirit came on the Gentiles the first time. The Spirit of the Lord came on the Gentiles the first time. They were filled with the Spirit and they spoke in the heavenly language just as they did in the Pentecost. And the people that came with Peter, people from Jerusalem, the spiritual religious people, They were baffled and surprised that the Holy Spirit came upon the Gentiles. They did not think that the Holy Spirit was for the Gentiles. They thought it was only for the Jew. This is changing of a spiritual landscape in the faith history. You see that? Do you see that? I mean this is the reason why we're here today. Because of Cornelius and his faithfulness and the Spirit of God coming. Right? The second thing is that he alone can cleanse us from our sin. Only Christ can cleanse us from our sin. He preached that. And this is it. The Gentiles can receive salvation without becoming a Jew. You think that these are all simple things? As you sit here, no, it wasn't for Peter. This theological shift, cultural shift, and social shift was so difficult for him that he turned it down three times. Three times! The giant and superhero of the Christendom, Mr. Peter, Simon Peter, turned down that God is impartial, that God is for all nations, that salvation can be found in Christ alone for all nations. He turned him down three times because it was too difficult for him to digest this theological shift that was happening at that time. My, this is landmark. This is landmark. God is calling you and I in Santa Clara, in Silicon Valley, they have another paradigm and spiritual shift. In order for that to happen, you don't have to go out and get a triple, double PhD. Right? Or make more money and leave your wife and your kids behind and have nothing to do with your families, nothing to do with church, very bad in relationship and social skills. Right? No compassion. Doesn't help the poor. Held your pocket tight. Have your fist tight. Doesn't want to give up because you want to save for the future. No, not that thing. Just be a dutiful father-husband. Be a dutiful daughter-son. Just a beautiful individual. Do what you do well. Fear God. Fear God. And give generously other to other people. And don't forget to pray always. If you do these things, your reputation will precede all this wealth and fame and status. And at the end, your life will come up as a memorial before God. It is pleasing to him and he comes to you and grants you a divine vision and say, go, be an impact where you live. And that is not for super talented, super skilled, extraordinary, high IQ people. It's just for people like me and you. And the super IQ people are included. They are not left out. It's for everyone. It's for the rich and the poor. It's for the mighty and the weak. It's for everyone from all nations. And if we do this well, God will use us. Do you feel it? Are you feeling it this morning? Yes, yes. So... That's why we're going to have the all Nations Sunday. The first year we came, there were 42 nations at our church in this place. We're going to reach the nations from here, through Santa Clara, that we want to be a lighthouse. We want to be the tower of the gospel of Jesus to the world and to our locality and our community. Yes? It's great to be your pastor. <laughs> it's awesome to be in this church. That's yes, worship time. Yes, worship time. Be ready to praise and worship God for what He is about to do through you. Right? Right, so I started with this message is for you. It's prepared for you. Did you feel that gospel to you this morning? Yes? Yes, I hear the yes and the nodding. Right? every Sunday you will be blessed if you come to this church because I will give you the pure and simple clear word of the Lord that has been just prepared for you so you're feeling excited and you feel the heat of the Holy Spirit why don't you stand up so we can praise and worship Him and just be ready so let the Holy Spirit do it again like He has done in the past like He did to Abraham at the Pentecost uh, to Cornelius let him do it again at our church let's praise and worship him come on let's praise and worship him